Oh, what a good boy. What's he doing? An American man and his young son were brutally killed last night. There is no factual evidence to indicate anything more than an animal attack. Yeah, at 1452, we apprehended the suspect. The man accused of these crimes, one Talon Gwinnick. He had hair all over his hands. They were huge. He was tearing my boy to pieces. He's my client. I'm defending him. There's a very rare disease called porphyria. And the symptoms include excessive body hair, joint pain, muscle weakness. People that have this can barely move. It will prove that you were not capable of committing these crimes. Thank you. We need to stop this right now. Please. I say that he was not human. That he was a man and a beast. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Oh, Get no, them out of there now. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm not gonna let him go. He moves, he's dead. anyone else to die. Do you let other people die? You ask how a human can do that. My answer is simple. Telling Gwinnick, by the mere definition of the word, is a werewolf. happening movie fans I've got an interesting movie fact for all you fast and furious fans out there even if you are not you can still stay tuned now did you know that Michelle Rodriguez who plays Letty did not have a driver's license before she began filming for the first movie of the series hmm interesting so I wonder which one of the team taught her to drive who would be your choice of driving instructor let us know in the comments below that's all for today. I'm Valerie, and remember, don't bark if you can't bite. See ya. Episode 245 with my friend over here, William Brent Bell, director of an, an unbelievable catalog, I will say it, um, starting with Sparkle and Charm, Stay Alive, which is, in, which, like I said, on take one, which was uh, an awesome take on gaming and dying and Elizabeth Bathory and all of that old gothic type type stuff. Um, who was more crazy than Elizabeth Bathory? Um, <laughs> the, the Devil Inside, which is an incredible movie. Um, and like I said before, one of my favorites that you've done is Where, which is such an awesome take on a werewolf movie. I love it how it's like a legend is reborn, like the whole concept of it. And it wasn't like just crazy all out. All right. He is going to be American Wealth in London, werewolf transformation, werewolf goes crazy, like such an awesome, awesome take on it. Um, the boy, the boy two, Brahms, the boy two, um, separation, orphan first kill, which is wrapped, right? It's done. Yep. Yep. 
awesome to hear. And Lord of Misrule, which is in post-production. But now, right before whatever happened happened, um, I was saying how your movies, yes, they are horror movies, but especially like the two boy movies and separation are like super moody. Like they're, it's, it's very, um, I don't even know if slow burn is even like the right term. It might be in a way, mm-hmm. but it's yeah. Right. It's, it's just super. Yeah. It's like a slow burn, but it, it, it creates feeling before any of the horrible horror stuff happens. Like you get this sense of uneasiness and it's super effective. Um, you know, before we recorded, you know, when we were just talking, you know, I had on um, somebody who you worked on with the boy uh, on the yeah. boy. It was Daniel C. Pearl. Yeah. And like the way he shoots things, it's super it's it, the, the lighting. And, and especially like I just what was it last night or the night before I watched Separation again. And. It was just like. Being like when I was younger, being a child of like a broken home and divorced, separated parents and stuff yeah. like that. Like, like, let me tell you something, man. I watched that movie and is, is it terrible for me to be like, I kind of didn't feel bad for the wife getting hit by the car. Like, you know what I mean? And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, at first I'm like, oh man. But anyway, I'm already babbling. What's no, going but, on, William? <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll, and you can call me Brent, by the way, but okay. it's, it's like, uh, um, yeah, with that, the, the script was, it was tricky because it's like, she died, you know, 15 minutes in, got killed. And, um, I kind of felt the same way because I, I had a real strong attraction to Kramer versus Kramer. And me too. Much, that, that was like my life, you know? Me too, man. And, like, and, absolutely. Yeah. And it was like, and, and my dad, who wasn't really a father, had to raise me and didn't know what he was doing. And then my mom kind of disappeared. And um, I mean, she's my life and stuff, but she kind of disappeared and kind of like his mother did to go find herself. And as a kid, I always really disliked Meryl Streep until I got older. And then I was like, oh, she's amazing. She's really cool. But I just was kind of scarred by her. And if you watch that movie, when she comes back halfway through that movie and watches her son on the playground from the or or watches Dustin Hoffman drop his son off. She's in the uh, coffee shop and she looks evil, you know? And, and so, and I watched it again around the time of making that movie. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like I see her side a little better now that I'm an adult. Of course. But, but when I read that script, I definitely, I was attracted to that. And then I was like, and it's tricky, you know, because it's like, I don't want to vilify a mother. And I'm like, but there are bad mothers out there. But, and so, so, you know, in a way, you know, of course, her character is not bad, per se, by the end of the movie. Right. But there was kind of no way around, even when we kind of tried to not make her pretty nasty. And then in that moment when she dies, it, you know, I don't know how I could have gotten around not it not being a moment of like, uh, I don't know, yeah, she kind of had that like, coming, yeah. which is not <laughs> which is not great. But um <laughs> But like I said, you know, at the end of the day, she she wasn't a bad person. And and that's the thing. And with me, and that's I've talked about this movie before in this story of like divorce and 
parents fighting in front of their kids and not paying attention to what they hear and stuff. Yeah. And so, so it was um, interesting to get a take on all that in a movie yeah. like that, you know, where we got to have a lot of relatable, super relatable for somebody like me. And, and it's, yeah. it's hilarious yeah. that you mentioned Kramer yeah. versus Kramer, because I grew up and I watched that movie as a young kid, while my parents were like getting divorced or, yeah. or like, yeah. like when my father got custody of me and that like, like all these things that happened. So, and Meryl Streep, I mean, talk about an effective, incredible actress. Like, yeah. I hated her too. I'm like, yeah. I, I, she scarred me, man. She's yeah. evil. At, evil. At, at the end, she, she, you know, she still kind of abandoned him at the end, you know, and she was yeah. like, you should keep him, which is good. But at the same time, it's like, man, you're putting this kid to the ringer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that, that, that was what you did in the beginning. So you put this, all of this stuff just to have the same exact decision that you made way back. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a great movie. It is. She's amazing. And, and uh, I guess, you know, it's like, it was pretty crazy. Um, because that's how it was originally presented to me by uh, an executive at Fox, actually. And, you know, and she's like, Kramer versus Kramer. And I was like, oh, gosh, I love that movie. And I was like, what are you going to tell me? And and then she kind of told me the concept. So I was like, oh, wow. I Even before reading the script, I'm like, I really like this idea just because I really relate to it, you know. And, um, and you know, at first it was like, well, it'd be really cool to have Meryl Streep's daughter, who now is the same age she was, play that character. But I didn't even approach the idea because I thought there's no way like she would do that. And we played her, we, you know, toyed around with like some other actresses and pursued them and it kind of didn't work. And then we got a call from her agents going, um, by the way, you know, uh, she's interested in doing it. And I was like, really? Really? And I was like, that would be so cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's like, and the character is rough. Um, yeah. And I, and I, and I don't know, like, I've always wondered, like, would the Meryl Streep watch it? She probably did. And, <laughs> you know, that's gotta be, uh, interesting what that conversation was when the two of them watched it. And the first thing, um, made me talk to me about, like, when she called me the first time was like, she started talking about her mom's performance in that movie and how she wanted to do things different. So it was just like pretty, pretty cool, you know, like, um, <laughs> to, to be like, oh, wow, this is like kind of. Yeah, this this is the way I would have imagined it. it was the yeah. same way with Brian Cox. Unbelievable, incredible movie. And if if for the kids at home that are watching or listening, like go check it out, man. Because like I said, especially if you come from that kind of a family or whatever as a kid, and it's I don't know, it's dealing with loss, dealing with I mean all of that stuff. It's just it's such an incredible movie, and I feel like it should have been so much bigger, dude. Like, if, I feel like it just should have been so much bigger. I'm all about to suck cursing because I can't get you know, about it. It's like, it's bullshit. It should have been bigger. You know, I think we got, I feel like we got really lucky because, you know, it happened all, it was coming, it was finishing up right around the time COVID was, was just kicking off. And, and so we kind of pumped the brakes on it. And, um, and looking back, there's nothing else we could have done. Like, had right. we fully sold it or something, it would have just, been released completely under the radar and then um and then we saw like a window where it was like there was that little window of time where people tried to go to see movies again and it yes stopped again um and uh and so i or, or it was just getting started whatever it was, it was you know it, i felt pretty fortunate that like it got it, 
at least got it kind of got out there, you know. Yeah, under those, um, especially under the ridiculous circumstances and the craziness yeah. that was going on. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. man. So I want to talk. I was like, this is the first thing I want to talk to this guy about <laughs> is the movie Where. You yeah. pronounce it where, right? It's not where. 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 Like werewolf. Yes. Yeah. It means it means man in German. I think, and maybe it is pronounced "were." You know, like to them, I'm not sure. Well, oh, I don't know. I think werewolf. So I, I mean, yeah, it's where. I don't know. I never thought we'd keep the name. You know, it's it's like they say sometimes, like with the name of a movie, you don't necessarily want to have a title where the first letter is low in the alphabet because when people search on the line, they never get to W. They never get to T because they they're started A and to see what they want to watch. Really? And, is is, is yeah. that like a thing? Yeah. That's really? like a thing, you know, like with Amazon, with Netflix, whatever. Um, if, if you're looking alphabetically, you know, you'll, it's, you're not going to probably get to the end. And, right. um, and I, I was like, oh, that's a cool title, but I didn't really think we'd keep it. And uh, I was surprised when, you know, nobody was wanting to change it. I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a cool title. The, um, yeah, that movie was, and there's so many stories about that. You're, you're a fan um, of Simon Corderman. Because he's in like oh, three yeah. of your movies, yeah. Well, yeah, he's one of my closest friends. Okay, and um, and he was he, as a result of the movie, like he we we cast him in Devil Inside, and um, so good, he's he's be- great. Yeah, and and he became like a really good friend, and then he he would come over from from the UK, and then he ended up moving in with one of my producing partners at the time, and lived there for eleven years, you know, oh, um, or or something, yeah. And until until like six months ago, until right when COVID started. And uh, and so we did the first movie. And then, you know, even before it came out for that whole year that we were hosting it, he just became part of that, our family of, of yeah. friends. And uh, and then immediately wanted to put him in the second movie, which is a really where, you know, it's a really cool part, you know, where he's one thing at the beginning of the movie and something very different at the end. Uh-huh. And, and and the poor guy, man, he he really worked out, you know, to get ripped for that movie. Yeah. And then we pushed it three months, and he was like, "Fuck," you know. Like, so uh, we had to keep working out. Then we pushed <laughs> three months again, and he had to keep working out. So I think he had to work out like an extra six or eight months nice. to keep like the level of ripped he got. Yeah. But um, and then you know, really shaved his head in the movie. Which, Dude, that was you know, a disturbing scene. Like that scene, like there's not too many times because I'm so desensitized like to i mean i grew up in the in the 80s i'm I'm 46 but i grew up in the 80s with all the slashers and the blood and all everything so i'm so the last time i was like just messed up from a movie like for real was the exorcist because i was young and that scarred everybody in my generation (laughs) yeah yeah. so there's not too many times where i'll actually be like 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 during a scene but when he's shaving his head with the straight razor with the blood and it's just it just looks so raw and it's like i can picture because i used to shave my head so yeah. i was just like watching i was like god man it shit looks like it was like legit hurts like yeah, yeah. yeah. Great I, and and, and it, you know it was all movie magic you know the uh but you know how guys who have hair and they've never shaved their hair like that as, as an adult it's kind of a big deal so yeah. for him, it was it was like cathartic and um and we did it like at four in the morning and uh if you want i mean it was you know it's a really long sequence if you watch the full sequence uh that's not you know released yeah. but um he was you know just amped up 
you know, as we just went from one section to the other, because, you know, it went from a bushy full head of hair to down to the skin by the end. Did he shave off his eyebrows for real? No. Okay. I was going to say, that's, that's, that's something. If he did that, that would have been, no, that was, yeah, that was like an eyebrow we put on and then he shaved that off. I got you. I figured. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, But the hair was like, he really did shave it. It's just when he was shaving it on camera, it was like this cool trick we kind of created that Mm -hmm. made it look really, really intense. But yeah, that movie was kind of teed up to be what, what should have been like, you know, a big wide release yeah, movie. man and and um it was you know coming off of devil inside and 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 it was the same kind of team and we were like ah, found footage is like it's been kind of killed this year like with so much stuff and that everybody's gonna jump on the bandwagon um so let's make this like a hybrid and it's funny because like online it still will say it's a found footage found footage, but found it's really footage. not it's not. not no it's it's got it's it's shot with some real world cameras, security cameras, you know, SWAT cams, body cams, but it's not Tom footage at all. And people uh, just read that. I've, I've seen that it. too. I've seen all yeah. that too. And I'm reading it. I'm like, did you watch like the same movie that I watched? Like, it's not just a found footage film. It's not. But it, but it, but the, a lot of the press, I think even the studio or, or they released it and, and put that in the press release. Then people think that going in and then by the time the movie's over, they kind of, so it was, it was not just everybody's fault. It was like, they got misled a little bit. And, um, but in particular, you know, the, um, you know, the studio film district, if you remember film district, they were releasing no. the movie. But yeah. They were, I don't know how long they were around, like five, 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 ten 10 years. Right. And, 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 you know, when we were finishing the cut and, and the second cut, it's like I, I wasn't getting return phone calls and it, all of a sudden it got really quiet. And then finally, you know, the president of the studio called me and he was like, okay, you're going to see in the press in about five minutes, but you know, film just it's closed. Like we're done. It's, and he's moved on to Fox. And, uh. and I was like, so we had no studio, you know, like we, and so a lot of movies got left out in the cold and some <laughs> like worked it really like, uh, same thing happened to, um, um, oculus um they had made it with film district but blum came in and bought it and released it by universal and it worked out really well for them right. and he was gonna buy uh where and then at the last minute he was like my guys they just bought this thing up at up at a tr- at, um toronto and i didn't know and so it's like it's conflicting something like that happened and um it was like no problem and then it was, it was, I mean, the politics of that movie and, you know, and then they wouldn't let us, you know, we did, we did our own screening for it then to show it to new buyers. Yeah. And, you know, we had Lorenzo de Bonaventure, the producer on it, Steve Snyder for Colonel Activity. And, and Lorenzo's like, you know, the last movie, the gangbusters, this trailer is amazing. This movie's awesome. It's totally unique. Like, why aren't we releasing this? I mean, he does Transformers. He's like, why aren't we? And uh, at the end of the day, I don't know. It was like weird like the deal structure of that movie that it kind of didn't allow us to sell it or even put it into festivals when like a fantasy fest in Montreal wanted to premiere the movie and they called me and I was like, great. And they're like, well, and then the studio said no. And then they called me back and go, yeah, studio said no, like we can't have the movie at the festival and we want to open it as the co-premiere movie with guardians of the galaxy. 
which at that time didn't sure. seem like it was going to be a big deal, right? Right. Like, what was Guardians of the Galaxy? Is it? But turned out to be you know incredible Massive. movie and a great and a change. Yeah. But and so then uh, I went and had a meeting with the with the producers in the studio, and they were like, "Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, of course. Let's get, let's look at some other studio uh, festivals too." And then I told the the guy that ran the festival, I was like, "Okay, call him up." and everything's fine and let's do it and then he sent me back an email actually and, and he was like in 14 years of doing this i've never been turned down twice by a studio but they said no again so they Jeez. wouldn't be put in effect and so nobody you know and to me i'm like even the, i mean probably the more hardcore side of horror fans would like that movie more than most of my movies yeah and, um but a lot of them just don't know it exists or never got to see it you know they uh so hopefully you know one of these days it's like i want to i want to screen that like um it deserves its proper like i don't know like a revamped re-release or something like that because listen another thing if if whoever's listening and watching it's called where w-e-r it's not easy to find either it's not even easy to find no no and or and, and um and to be able to play it like with it, because we never, other than testing the movie, which, uh, you know, we tested great. It's like uh, we never get to play it. So to go to like a, a festival and play it with an audience who appreciates that kind of movie yeah. would be so cool for me and for the audience and for the movie. Sure. And the people involved in the movie, you know. So, um, yeah, it's just one of those things. And, that, and on the flip side, when things work out, it's kind of just as much the opposite kind of luck. You know, like you look at the things that happen and go, if that would have been a six months different or one phone call different, yeah, that movie would have ended up like where or, you know, yeah. so um, like Devil Inside was like that. But yeah. um, everything, I mean, everything at some point, it's people say it's like a miracle that movies that a movie can get made, you know, sure. especially kind of an independent film. And um, it is. It's it's, it's yeah. crazy. And like AJ Cook was incredible in that movie. And the guy that played. um. Talon, Dw- Talon, Dw- Dwinnick, Dwinnick, Dwinnick. Um, Brian Scott O'Connor. That's the only film that he's been in. Yeah, he. Um, the only movie. Yeah, he's like a rock star, man. He he was he was a friend of ours. He's a, he he still is. Um, he was a bass player bass player for the Eagles of Death Metal, and no he, shit. Yeah, forever, and um, BOC is what we call him and um and i knew him and i didn't know him that well he's my circle of friends and he's this super scary looking guy yeah he's man nice, he's the sweetest guy in the yeah. world it's usually how it is yeah it is isn't it amazing yeah. and um and he has these like giant hands like those are his real hands are absolutely huge and and when we did when we when they greenlit that film they were like hey you know here's 15 grand go take a day and like shoot a trailer for the movie just to so we can have a trailer and we'll take it to can and uh, so just threw together friends and we went and shot for one day and made a trailer which is very much like a trailer for the movie really and um and i didn't know and i was like well doc could do it because he's kind of covered in hair and yeah. And he was like, yeah, I'll do it. And he didn't, you know, have to talk much. And I didn't think much of it. I figured we'd cast the part with an actor, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we started the casting process. Then I started working with him on the side, like doing audition. Like we were working on an audition. And then by the time we got to casting for a little bit, I was like, this guy was made 
to play this part. Yeah. And, and he was great. I mean, you know, he, he worked so hard on, on kind of getting the accent and, and, uh, you know, he's just a character that you, um, and he's that kind of guy that you kind of fall in love with, like a gentle giant. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, that's another reason I wish that movie would have been seen more because I wish people could have seen him in the park. Cause it's, it's pretty, and he did all that stuff. It's like the fight sequences, you know, he, like Simon, Simon would come out there, fight. We'd have a body double who'd come in and fight in the swamp. Uh-huh. Ryan would be like, nope. Like, yeah, this is I'm me. I'm going. doing this. Yeah. I'm going. I'm, and, and, you know, like there's one point he comes, he falls and he lands on the ground and that's shot in reverse. So we started with him on the ground and he goes up and then played it backwards. So it's like he landed. And, you know, it had to throw him up five stories into the air, you know. Yeah. And is that, uh, is that where he first jumps out of the building and lands? Yeah, yeah. It's a crazy scene because he lands on his feet and hands. Fuck. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, the guy jumped out of the stunt double jumped out of the eighth story of this building. And then Brian, he started like he landed and then he played it in reverse. And then we pulled him upwards and then we played that backwards. And if you watch that sequence, it starts on a, on a, it's supposed to feel real, you know, and it starts on a news reporter. And then yes. the news reporter hears the sound and the camera yes. whips over and he lands. Mm-hmm. But that's all done backwards. So like the camera had to start like this. He went up and then whip over. And then she had to pretend like she was reacting in reverse. So uh, that we could then play it backwards and it would look like it was happening in the right, you know, direction. Yeah. Very but, um, cool. I love all that little shit that you don't realize. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's like for him bouncing up there with this harness, you know, three, four, five stories. Uh, it was, you know, a lot of the act- a lot of actors wouldn't do that. They'd be like, no way. And like somebody else is going to do it. And he's a cancer survivor. And really? um, yeah. And, and we didn't tell the studio um, at the time because we thought they would, well, they did. They found out during pre-production and they're like, he threatened to recast him because they just were worried that he might not make it. Man. And so me and my two producing partners, um, we uh, were like, okay, we'll pay the insurance to cover him. And, uh, and then at the end of the day, they backed off and were like, okay, as long as you make sure you have shots where if he dies, like we can replace his face oh, um, with shit. another actor, you know? Um, but he was great. I mean, just yeah. a beast, you know? Yeah. Fucking so, such a good movie, man. So good. Well fucking done. I mean, thank you. I, I can't, I can't say it enough. It's, it's an awesome take. On a, on a werewolf film and I think you guys pulled it off and, and it should, it's once again, it should have a proper revamp, re-release, whatever the hell you want to call it because, yeah. and it's Hopefully not a found footage film people. It's not, <laughs> it's just bullshit. Stop reading everything. you Stop believing everything you read on the internet. Stop. Yeah, exactly. Stop. Um, real quick though, in, in separation, you, you filmed yeah. most of that all in Brooklyn. All of it in Brooklyn. Yeah. Now, yeah, Brooklyn for Brooklyn. Now, I'm sitting in Brooklyn. Um, yeah. I'm in Bay Ridge, but where the house was, that's, that was where? In Williamsburg? Um, it was supposed to be in Williamsburg, right? I think. Um, yeah. But the, the actual, well, it depends what you mean. Like the interior was no, the, 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 house. Actually, the, the, the reason why. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. The, yeah. the exterior, do you by any weird chance remember what street that was on? And I can find out, but right. I, you probably recognize it. Cause yeah, 
Well, a lot of those streets look very much the same in that neighborhood. The only reason why I'm asking is because I do this thing for like, I guess it's another hobby I do for fun. I do this whole urban exploration film location type thing. And I've gone to so many, I think I've, I've hit like 18 different spots where parts of Goodfellas was and all these things. So I, I saw that it was in Brooklyn. I'm like, I got to find out what street that is because I'm looking and I'm watching the movie. I would pause it and I would like zoom in and like you can't read any like addresses and or street signs. So I'm like, all right, it could be anywhere. So I figured I would ask you if you remembered what street that was on. You know, I'll, it's find, like, I'll find it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll find it too. Yeah, I, I know it's somewhere like, uh, you know, I have all the call sheets and stuff, you know, with the location. Don't, don't go crazy. Don't, you don't have to go crazy. <laughs> you don't have to start going back in your files and shit. That's fine, dude. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's now, cool being in Brooklyn. How, how much can you talk about Orphan First Kill? Not much. I mean, I mean, I, mean, I can talk about it like as far as, uh, I mean, part of a lot of the interesting stuff is how it all came together you know yeah um, with her playing the part because which is great there was, a, there was a time when it was a, a completely different actress a little girl and um it originally started off to be her um like i'd already signed up to do the movie and we announced the movie and her and i isabel and i were friends on on instagram but we didn't know each other right and then she sent me a message and she was like so cool to that movie, you know, the movie's moving forward. Um, I'd love to meet you sometime. And I was having a screening that night of a movie and I was like, you should come tonight, you know? And she showed up and that's the first time I met her. And she was like, you know, I really want to play the part again. And I wasn't expecting that. Like, I yeah. liked that idea, but I was, I didn't expect, I thought I'd have to talk her into doing it maybe. Uh-huh. And, um, and she's like, no, you know, like, I love the idea. And, and then she looks the same, just bigger. Yeah. You know, she's just, but she, if you look at me when I'm her face, is the same. face, her hair, her proportions pretty much is like, she's, she's um, just, you know, it, it was interesting. And I was like, you know, if you'd have looked at me when I was 24 and when I was 10, it couldn't, I had different people, but right. with her, it was like, Oh, this is crazy. And, um, and so we went down the, the road of trying to do it and then the studio got really scared visual like you know budget stuff visual effects company started bidding and going trying to do like the irishman you know kind of like oh. all this computer stuff and that's not what i wanted to do ah. and and it became such a battle that finally it was just like you know let's give up and we cast um an amazing young actress and um she was uh McKenna Grace, who was the lead in the new Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. And, um, and she's awesome. And, um, and then when COVID hit, uh, all the networks like locked up their actors, you know, they like bought them out for a while. Yeah. They put their shows on hold, but they wouldn't let. So then when somebody thought they'd be off a show, all of a sudden they're locked into Netflix for six more months doing nothing but waiting around. And after a while, six months we were ready to gear up again and shoot the movie it was right in the middle of covid and and by then we started hiring crew and so then i was talking to a makeup guy again and i was like what do you think about us doing this with you know isabel he's like i think we can do it like legit prosthetic makeup like makeup effects 
we started with that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like um, we did a lot of tricks, but all like almost, I mean, we used some uh, digital tricks here and there, but it's like um, for sure, but it's like, but it wasn't your typical uh, de-aging thing. You know, we used a lot of the old school techniques that they would use to film old Hollywood madams or, or, you know, like when yeah. she was 70 and wanted to look 40. So instead yeah. we're doing 24 to look 12 and a lot of forced perspective to make her look small and to make everybody else a big and, um, and where we would put the light where we, I mean, so we did a camera test, like a photo test, like remotely. I was in LA, the, they were up in Canada uh, with a, with a model and she was like 32 and blonde. So it was a total different look, but it was like, can we make her look young? And we made her look like she was about 16. And they were like, okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, move forward and let's shoot, like shoot a day, bring Isabel in yeah. and she bring a small crew. And that was the first thing I'd shot. Any of us had really shot since COVID. So, so we all had one day, brand new crew. First time I had uh, seen her in a while. And, um, and then we shot this one cool little sequence. The DP was, you know, in Ontario, like on the iPhone. Like an assistant walked around with them because we couldn't get them here. <laughs> right. And um, and then we shot that, and then I cut it together with uh, a friend of mine, editor friend, the Tim Merkovich, over the weekend, and turned it in. And they were all like going, "It took me forever to turn it in." And they were like, "Ah, it's going to be obviously it's not working, Brent. So let's move on, and we got to find an actress quick." Mm. And um, I was like, "Just give me the rest of the day." And I turned it in. You know, you could tell like pretty quick like oh this is gonna work you know yeah and um, that's awesome i was i was wondering about that because it's the same actress and it's so many years later and she's still playing a little kid in a prequel so yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, i, I kind of was like hmm, how's that gonna work yeah and it's funny because you know you, i'm used to doing movies where you have a body double for a kid uh -huh. and a stunt double and the stunt double is usually like a 30 year old petite female right but um but and she usually is bigger than the real actress and you got to deal with that later right. in this case it was the reverse the real actress was five and a half feet tall <laughs> and her body doubles were four and a half feet tall and her stunt you know so it's like uh because we had yeah we had three body doubles and one stunt double and uh so watching her walk around on set dressed like she did as a kid crazy uh, creepy fucking and, creepy. It, and it requires an actress to me i was like you know you're gonna I, never, I mean, I, I, I was like, it's, it was more of a gamble for her. Like to me, it's a challenge yeah. and for the studio, it's kind of a gamble, but I think it, it, I think it's definitely paying off the way we hoped it would meaning like it's part of the story. It's part of what's interesting about the movie, you know, cause it's part of the character. The character was in the first movie was 10 turned out. She was actually 30. That wow. was 10 years ago. Now the actress who played her at 10 is 25, yeah. 24. Uh -huh. And so now we know she's, an adult playing, dressing up like a little girl in the movie. Right. So it works for the story. You know, it's not a secret anymore, Absolutely. except for some of, and, uh, and, but with me, I'm like, with her, I'm like, you're screwing up your legacy. Maybe like, you know, she, that, that, that part really put her on the map as a little kid. And, but she was, you know, and had she, had she walked, moped around and been like, what am I doing? I'm like an idiot, right. you know, but she was just, she was all in. Yeah. And just like, you know, she's the most positive, like hardworking actor you'd ever meet. And, um, and then it just made it, it made it like not awkward for everybody else. Cause if she's not feeling weird about this, then we're not going to feel weird about it. 
And, um, and it was just, you know, every single shot in that movie is, is a trick. It's like, you're not, you can't just relax and shoot a scene, you know, right. because it's like, wait a minute, we got to put this person up like this or, you know, this is, so that stuff is, um, and, and, and what's been cool about it too, was shooting it, you know, in a way, certainly other people are going, is this going to really work? Yeah. And, uh, and even like screening the early versions of the movie before we had really like gone in and kind of fine tuned her look a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's, it was interesting because people buy into it, you know, we know Superman can't fly and, right. but it's like, hopefully it'll look good and, and, and Superman that it looks like he's fine. But even sometimes when it doesn't, and Harry Potter, like him flying around on those broomsticks, like it looked pretty ridiculous, but it's like, it doesn't matter. It's like a movie. Yeah, you suspend disbelief. It's, it's a, you're yeah. like, just be in the movie, enjoy it. Stop overly, just have fun watching the movie. And so it, it, was, it was pretty quick that like you could tell, you know, anybody who would watch it would, you know, after a minute, you'd be like, so what's going on? How do you feeling about her? And they're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. You know, uh, and that was before we'd even like really finished the movie. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not like it's, it's a perfect one for one match to the original, right. it, uh, uh, but, but it, but it, it works, works really well. Yeah. It must, it, it must've been like, I'm sorry, God. Yeah, I know. No, it, it must have been, I mean, with all of that stuff, because like you just said, like every shot is a trick and there's all these things that you got to do and manipulate this and that. And then you throw COVID on top of it. I know. It's just yeah. got to be like, like what next? Like it's got to have to have been a pain in the ass, man. It was, it was, um, I mean, luckily I will say like the cast like came together just perfect. Um, Julia Stiles is just one of my favorites now like um and uh everybody but um and then and then the, the the production crew on the ground were you know we were in winnipeg um just the nicest like talented crew and um and then production was really great about about us spending money on things trying things knowing that it's a little bit of trial and error here and there and that we're doing this with COVID. It was a lot of people's first movie back, yeah. you know, and, um, and, and that's, you know, working with actors wearing a mask and a hat, maybe exactly. sunglasses, you know, and I'm talking to, I was talking to, um, Ross of Sutherland once like second day shooting and about a scene and, and he was like, okay. And he did a take. And then I came back and talked to him again. And then he goes, look, man, here's the thing. You're not giving me anything. He goes, you're wearing a hat, sunglasses, and a Mac. I can't see your face. Right. And I was like, at least I could give him like my eyes, you know? <laughs> um, but it's so difficult to, um, get your point across. Like, I oh yeah. Just for us to collaborate. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, like the crew never saw my face. Um, once we started shooting until the last hour of the last day, once we wrapped, I took off my mask and took a picture with like two people. Yeah. But I had like, literally, I'm not kidding. Like nobody had seen me without a mask on because it was kind of like, sometimes a director with COVID like is the one person who might not need to wear a mask with the cast. And in my case, it was, since it was so new, like production was like, if you lead by example and you're wearing a mask, then the rest of the crew will feel more comfortable wearing a mask right. and it'll be easier. Sure. And, um, because, you know, there was no vaccinations then, you know, right. it was just, we were just winging it. Yeah, uh, crazy. And got through, you know, got through it safe. Good. Um, and got through it with, you know, leaving 
as much as I can thinking, yeah, we've, you know, we got everything we wanted to get, you know, and couldn't yeah. be more happy. And is, then is there a, is there a set time when, when, when this, I know, I know that it's been pushed back and this and that, but is there a set time when it's going to be released? It hasn't actually been pushed back. It's, it's never been, there's never been, uh, Paramount bought it like, uh, in the late, in the fall, you know, Paramount bought it right when we okay. um, showed it. And then they haven't set a date. So like it said on the internet, January 28th, that's just bullshit. It's just made up. Right. Um, and, uh, and I felt <laughs> the trap of like, when I was in London shooting the other movie, uh, there was this little teaser trailer that said coming in October. And I saw that and I was like, Oh, and I put that up on my social media for, and I finally took it down. But, um, and we got to be like, and I was like up in London and we were just in the first week of shooting or about, and, uh, and finally I called the studio and I was like, what's going on? Like, is the movie, is, is a trailer big? Cause I haven't seen the trailer and they usually, they would run all that stuff through me and they will. But, um, but I was like, what's going on? Maybe they're going for it without me. And, um, and she was like, no, no, we'll show you everything. She goes, there's no trailer coming out in, you know, October. Yeah. And I was like, all right. I go, I just, I go, I got so many people breathing down my neck about it. Of and I thought it was coming out too. So, yeah. um, <laughs> and then, and then there was a release date. So I, I think with COVID it's so tricky, you know, it's like, even like screams, I think going to do great this weekend. Scream, absolutely. And it's the same team, you know, at Paramount more or less. Yeah. Um, and, um, they, but you know, the way yeah. things went like yeah. about three weeks ago, you know, it could have been, you know, the matrix made 32 million total or something in the box office, yeah. nothing. And whereas like, you know, seeing two is made 150 million. It's so it's like, it happened so fast that like people stopped going to the theater. Yeah. And all of a sudden, if you're caught in that crossfire, you're, uh, yeah. your movies fucked, you know? Yeah. And so they, um, so they're being careful. And I think they don't want to distract from, from scream. And, sure. um, and if they come out both the same time, then that would mess things up for both of them. You know what I mean? So that's not in their yeah. interest. It, and and but all these, I mean, the streaming thing and everything like that as well, like, you know, messes up the movie theater. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really the, the movie theater is, is just a marketing tool for the streaming. Sure. And that's really what it is. Um, and even with like the boy, which came out in theaters and so, did well in theaters. so good, dude. So fucking good. And, and, um, and it was, you know, it was a movie, like you said, a slow burn that I felt once again, kind of lucky that we got to tell kind of this slow movie that had this twist that you had to go along with the movie to, to experience the twist. And then it kind of turned into a very different movie for, you know, 15 minutes. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, it was cool that audiences held on to the secret, you know, which I was worried they might not. And the studio was like, no, our research shows us that like audiences are great about these things. Like they yeah. don't want to spoil it for each other. They don't. So, and that turned out to be true. And even to this day, people still are like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Like you, like, right. you can't look on the internet and see. Yeah. Like, what yeah. Like happen. when I first saw it, like <laughs> way, way back, like I was watching it and I was just like, all right, this doll is going to start going ape shit. You know, yeah. I don't know what's going to But what was really cool about it is everything, like you said, it was a slow burn. It wasn't like Chucky running around. It was just yeah, yeah. the dog didn't move. 
And it was just like, you didn't see it move on camera. You didn't see nothing. And, and yeah. that's what made it so creepy. It's like, yeah. what's good. It's, it's, it's this constant, what's going to happen. And then nothing really happened. So it keeps that feeling in you. So good, dude. How is it like and working yeah. with Lauren Cohen? Ah, uh, amazing. You know, yeah. she's, um, I told her like when we first spoke, I was like, you know, I need like somebody who's like a raw nerve, um, for those moments, you know, where you can really kind of go nuts. And she's like, ah, oh, raw nerves, like my middle name. I remember what she told me, but, um, and you know, she's got an English accent, you know, yes. for real. And she, and so it's a movie that we shot in Canada. It's supposed to be set in England and she's supposed to be American and everybody yeah. else is English. So she had to change her accent and it was, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's always something. Yeah. And, um, but it's interesting, you know, working with different actors, how they, how they approach their accents and, and, um, you know, some actors have to stay in that accent for the entire movie. Yeah. And in her case, it was just, she'd be an American accent you say cut. And then she'd be like, you know, what did you think about that? And then, but back in her British accent, yeah, talk about it for a minute. And then would be like, okay, ready to go back. And an action. Yeah, and yeah, I, I always bug out with that shit because I didn't, I had no idea that she had a British accent until like yeah, yeah. I was watching an episode, like after the walking dead, like on the talking dead and she'll be on the panel. It's like, what? Like, yeah. all of, like how come all of these people have these British accents? You would never tell on the show. And like somebody who pops in my head, who does that unbelievably is Gary Oldman. Like oh, yeah. that dude's actual <laughs> accent is crazy, but he can play and you would never know. How do you play an even... Irish gangster guy in like state of grace, but then yes. you talk, you can hardly even understand what he's talking about when he talks real. It's, it's unbelievable talent, man. Uh, state of grace. I haven't heard anybody talk about state of grace in a while. That's an awesome movie, man. Such an underrated slept on movie i love that movie man the yeah Fl- it's, the flannery brothers it's so good i'm a huge oldman fan huge i mean oh, i did not be well you said his accent and i'm thinking like i don't even know if i could tell you like what he actually sounds like because i've just heard him you know right. do so many things yeah um and he's you know usually in quite a character when he's doing things yeah. Um, yeah. He's one of my favorites. There's, there's a certain dialect. There's a certain English dialect. I, I mean, it's not common to me right now, but that's what he has. And it's super strong. And it's like, you have to really pay attention to what the hell he's talking about because it's that strong. But yeah. then he'll be, you know, then he'll be, you know, the Rastafarian guy in true romance. It's like, what? It's, it's crazy. Dracula. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, yeah, Leon. A professional. Yeah. Oh, I just, I, my, me and my daughter, my daughter never seen it. And I mean, she's 12, but like she watches all this kind of stuff too. But yeah. um, we watched it like two weeks ago. She absolutely loves it. She was like, isn't that the guy from uh, Harry Potter? I was like, yeah, he yeah. was in Harry Potter. I was like, yeah. And then she got me into Harry Potter. And then I was kind of not really into it. It's not really my thing. Yeah. But then I kind of got into it when I saw Gary Oldman. I was like, oh, that's my guy right there. She's like, what are you talking yeah. about? I was like, he's a great actor. So it was kind of, she's like, that's the same guy. I was like, yeah. And then like, I showed her like true romance. He was like, that's the same guy. I was like, yeah, he's un- un- unbelievable. Yeah, my, my, my girlfriend had never really watched the Harry Potter movies. And I don't think I, I stopped watching after a while. You know, I, I watched yeah. a little bit. And uh, so over this whole Christmas break, 
like <laughs> we've started from the beginning and mm-hmm. like, I mean, that's what that reunion special did. You know, it's like, gets people to go, Oh yeah, let me check that out. Yeah. And so I can watch the reunion special. <laughs> so I've watched them now closer than I, than I've ever watched them before. It's been good. They hold up really well. That's yeah. why I mentioned it earlier. I never would have probably thought to bring up that movie. Flying on um, the broomsticks. Yeah. Which is probably the worst part good. of everything, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're playing that game, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah it's good, man. Yeah. So Lauren Cohen was cool. I just, she, she, she seems like she would be awesome to work. Yeah. And, and we, um, we, we got not, I mean, we got kind of close to her doing Lord of Misrule, the new movie, um, like before all the COVID stuff, about, you know, two years ago. Um, but she read it. We met a couple times and she got pretty close, but she was coming back to Walking Dead and and had been off of it for a while. And, you know, she was like, I really want to like I'm going to do my horror with Walking Dead and I want to focus on, you know, uh, like I mean, she had like a musical and cooking show. And like, you know, she she didn't want her movie when on her time off from Walking Dead to be another scary movie. And huh. this particular movie is really like intense on on the lead female character. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, so so. But it, yeah, it was close to us doing it. Nice. You can't, can, you talk, can, can you talk anything about it or no? I, I, I wouldn't expect you to be able to, but I just got to put it out there. No, I mean, I, you know, in a, in a way, I mean, it's, it's this amazing movie that, you know, we shot in London in this tiny village and, you know, shot everything in this village for the village. And, um, and, you know, it's about this female vicars, female, you know, um, reverend and her you know husband and daughter who are pretty new to that town and and it's tuppence middleton who's incredible who uh plays her and then they they celebrate as these towns do in england you know these these weird festivals based on their distant past yeah and uh, a lot of pagan stuff and so they have this festival and it's really it's kind of funny but it's also kind of dark yeah and um but then her daughter goes missing during this little this festival um, and then the story becomes about her trying to find her daughter and okay. kind of realizing that maybe these pagan beliefs they have aren't just like all fun and games right um and uh and you know um ralph Einstein is you know plays her counterpart in the movie you know um i guess you would call him the villain sort of okay but um and he was you know he was the green knight and he was you know, the witch and the witch. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was, people, it was, people talk about that movie and I, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I haven't seen it yet. The witch. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You should watch it. It's so unique. It's such a unique movie and such I a, like that it. director, that director has such a, you know, he did the lighthouse and, and then I was, I think he did, he did the Northman. I um, thought the lighthouse was incredible. I mean, it's so different, you know. Dude, and, so different. And 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 that's the thing about the witch is it's it's they speak all in old English, like early America, yeah. which is kind of hard to understand. And sure. you're thinking as you're watching it, like, all right, they're gonna let us off the hook. And then you're like, well, I can't understand this. But then you kind of get into it and go, yeah. it's such a choice. And so right. it's it's just this small family in the middle of nowhere that's um, kind of being haunted, I guess. But um, by um, a witch or witches and 
Ralph is just incredible. And he's this big guy, kind of like BOC. Um, you know, I think he's six, three, six, four and a really rough and tumble guy. You know, if he wants to be with this crazy, like deep resounding voice. And, um, but this, but the character in the witch is a really, you know, like you really feel for this guy. Um, cause he does everything wrong for his family. But, um, yeah, you should you check it out. It's like, I I mean, like, even if in a way it's not your cup of tea, I know that you can't not watch it and go, yeah, this is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm very, I'm super open-minded when it comes, I, I'll watch something like that. And then I'll watch something ridiculous, like, like basket case from 1980, you know, 19, you know like <laughs> ridiculousness. So I'm, I'm all over the place. I could, I'll definitely check it out. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> nice. Um, hey, do, do you mind if I throw out my sponsors real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Are you a coffee guy? Yeah. You are. All right. So maybe you'll like this, but this is for everybody listening. Um, one of the sponsors of, of the podcast is a company called Dead Sled Coffee, D-E-A-D-S-L-E-D Coffee. You'll follow them on Instagram at Dead Sled Coffee. If you go to deadsledcoffee.com and you type in the promo code Brooklyn Blast, you'll get 20% off of your order and anything $60 or more is free domestic shipping. But what's cool about them is, by the way, the three sponsors that I do have, I've been using them since way before the podcast and they're all small yeah. companies. So it's not like I'm blowing smoke up anyone's ass. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's, I've been drinking it before the podcast, but they have to be <laughs> friends and we decided to do this. Um, they're a small company, but they have like officially licensed things with like, they, they work with people in horror and musicians. Like they have, um, they have a Kane Hodder blend, a Robert Anglin blend, um, Cypress Hill, Cypress Hill, Kiss, Skid Row, yeah. Rob Zombie, Elvira. They have a whole bunch of different, cool, different, you know, blends and whatnot. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, definitely very cool. Um, so they're all officially licensed stuff and they work with horror, horror people and musicians. So it's not like this snooty, you know, coffee company or whatever. They just, they, they do cool shit. Um, Second, second sponsor, it's, it's local. It's uh, Generation Records, located at 210 Thompson Street here in the West Village in New York City. Um, if you cannot make, make it to the actual store, they have an eBay page, or you can go to generationrecords.bigcartel.com and you can order stuff online from there. But it's an old, they've been around since 92. They're an old school record store. Vinyl, T-shirts, books, like old school. It's like you walk in there and you're stepping back in time, but they survived this whole COVID thing. Their doors are open and they're like the last guys on the block. So support them and follow them on Instagram at generation records. And last but not least new Republic printing, follow them on Instagram as well at new Republic printing. If you go to newrepublicprinting.com, there's a drop down menu of any kind of brand of t-shirt hoodies, zip ups, windbreakers, whatever you want. And they'll print whatever you want on anything you want. But the awesome thing about them, I've been using these guys for like, probably about on and off for about 15 years. Um, there's no setup fees. There's no screen fees. And if you have your order delivered to any commercial address, it's free UPS ground shipping. So you can get a thousand Brooklyn Blast Furnace shirts printed up and get 200 boxes delivered at your job. And it doesn't cost you a nickel more. So New Republic Printing, Generation Records, and Dead Sled Cough. Thank you. And those wow. are my responses. Yeah, man. You know, it's small support, small, local, local family, mom and pop business. Yeah. And like you talking and talking about that stuff just makes me want to be back in Brooklyn. 
Yeah. Are you from? Are you from? Are you, where are you, are you originally from? Cali? No, no, I'm from Kentucky, Lexington, okay. Kentucky. Yeah. All right. And, and then I moved out here, you know, uh, forever ago. I was 22, and okay. um, and so I, I, you know, I visited New York on, you know, a couple, you know, several times, but for no more than a few days at a time. And so that was a big cool thing about shooting that movie there was like, okay, six, like six months, you know, in Brooklyn shooting. Yeah. I thought we'd go to Canada or something and end up, you know, and yeah. then come back and shoot bits and pieces. And it was great to shoot it all there. I mean, it, it wasn't easy, but it was like, uh, yeah, it's, it was just so cool being in the real places, you know, and so I really yeah. got to kind of sink my teeth in yeah. uh, there. Well, born, and, born and raised. And it's crazy that the, the neighborhood where you shot separation like that now is like, hipster central it's all gentrified it's all you know crazy bit asian fusion restaurants and all this all this stuff but like 20 years ago you wouldn't even want to step foot in that neighborhood i know yeah i mean it's like people would remind me because you know one thing that was cool what happened pretty quickly i went and got my hair cut and and then you know and then later i walk by the place and they like, Hey, and they know my name. And I saw somebody and I was like, Oh, wow, it's happening. Like yeah. a neighborhood, you know, yes. where you see the same people. And, um, and I would, you know, walk at night, like for blocks and sometimes, you know, like nobody on the street. Uh, and it's like, people would remind me like, yeah, like 25 years ago, you, no. loved and, you, you, know, you were either there to buy drugs or sell drugs or, you were just up to no good somehow. Some, something like, was shady about you if you were walking around there 25 years ago, 100%. I, I, I came back and, uh, to do some extra shooting on that movie, um, and we stayed really in like way like lower, man, lower uh, Brooklyn or something like that, and um, right by like this police station, which is never a good thing. You know, it's like Airbnb kind of like place, and uh, and, and if you're close, you know, that's where the bail, bail bonds place. And I was like, uh -huh. it felt a little more like old school Brooklyn, maybe. Cause it was just a lot of, it okay. so, like, wait, wait, so we, were you down like by like, do you remember what street or what neighborhood? Cause it sounds like you might've been down like around court street area, Hoyt Skimmerhorn, maybe by the tombs, which is one of the jails. And so you were probably pretty close to some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. A lot of, you know, people who were. Uh, you know, uh, circling the jail and, yeah. and all that. So it was like, yeah, I was like, this feels a little different maybe than yeah. up there around seventh street or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it, yeah, it was amazing. And yeah, you make me want to go back there. How, how is it there now? You know, things uh, as, as, yeah, it's as far as like the COVID thing, it's, it's crazy, but you know, I think at this point, a lot of people are just trying to just get on with their life and just everyone yeah. I think is, just it's been we've been so bombarded for two years about everything it's everyone at this point is probably just like i don't want to hear about it anymore you know what i yeah, mean it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. overly it's just from every that you pick up your phone you talk to somebody it's everywhere so yeah, yeah. but um but i've told this before and people know on and off the podcast but i don't care i'll tell it again um when i was doing i do like i said i do this film location thing and uh the movie Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise in the beginning yeah. of it, it's a dream sequence and he dr drives down into the middle of Times Square and they legitimately shut down Times Square for that for like eight hours and they filmed this whole thing. Yeah. 
So in the middle, this was probably about two weeks into complete lockdown. And I'm fortunate. I, I still have, I have always worked through this whole thing. I'm quote unquote, an essential worker or whatever. So, but I, I work like five blocks from Times Square. So it was one day, it was like a Wednesday at like five o'clock in the afternoon where there should be 30,000 people like within, you know, in my sight, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm literally walking down 45th street from Vanderbilt Avenue. And I walked down the double yellow line past Madison Avenue down on the, in the middle of the street, all the way into dead center of Times Square. I had to move out of the street one time for one yellow cat to pass me. That was it. I'm in the middle of Times Square and this is rush hour. It's supposed to be rush hour, bro. I'm looking and if I saw six to eight people within, you know, my whole circumference, it was a lot. It would be like a cop, a security guard, one or two people, a weird car, a cop car. And I shot, I did my whole, it's what I do is I'll take a screenshot or a Google image from a movie, a scene from a movie. And then I'll go to the actual location and I'll take pictures. I'll try to get the right angle. Then I'll take that screenshot and kind of lay it on top of my picture and line everything up. So it's kind of like a before and after in one picture. Uh So I did that all over Times Square for Vanilla Sky. And it was perfect because there was nobody in the movie and there was nobody in real life. It was freaking surreal, dude. It was so weird. It was very weird. It was like a and, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I know some people. I don't know. Got to shoot some stuff, sort of, but it's like, uh, I'm sure. Hopefully, it'll never happen again in our lifetime. You know. Yeah. It, hopefully it, it not. It's crazy. How long did it last like that? You think? Lockdowns, lockdowns like that was probably about three months. Something three months. like something like that. Yeah. And I see, and it's another thing. Time is weird now. It's like, oh yeah, remember last year when we went to go? To, I was like, oh no, that wasn't last year. That was two years ago before COVID. So time is also weird, you know. And at the time, while I was on lockdown, well, while we were on lockdown, me and my boss, we would alternate days. Like I would work one week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. He would work Tuesday, Thursday. The next week, he would do Monday. You know, but we were still getting paid our regular salary and stuff, which was great. But that's what we were doing. So. I, I want to say we did that for like three to four months tops like that. And it was, yeah. it was, it was very, very, very strange. Nobody on the subway. Like I'd be the only one on a subway car at like <laughs> seven 30 in the morning going into Manhattan. Like it's usually, I, I, I usually don't even get a seat. I was the only one on the whole car. Uh, very, it was surreal. dude. It was very weird. I took a whole bunch of pictures because when is that ever going to happen again? Hopefully never yeah. end, but insane yeah crazy times but, yeah yeah well you know we have movies so we have movies and music and music <laughs> absolutely so just real quick way i won't hold your hostage for too much longer um what was there something like maybe when you were a kid or something like what was the catalyst i'm sure you have like a turning point where you were like i want to become a director i want to be a filmmaker you know i think that my parents who you know like I, they divorced when I was really young and, um, and, and my dad's always loved movies. Like he would say that, you know, he, my grandmother used to tell me that he'd go see a movie and he'd come back and then he'd acted the whole movie out for her, you know, and, and being in the film industry and pitching movies and stuff. Um, 
I, the, a guy I worked with a lot, um, you know, he would just be like, you can't, re- you won't remember like my birthday, but you know, we'll talk about a movie and then you'll go in and you'll pitch it, you know, without like planning. And yeah. so it's like some weird thing that, um, we have, because I think it excites us. Like if something excites me, I have no problem remembering it. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but, uh, and so we spend a lot of time like connecting with movies, you know, my dad right. and my, and then my mom, when I would see her every other weekend, it's like, we go see movies and, um, was just a big part of it. And so, um, in that time period, you know, where all those, so many great movies came out that are kind of kid friendly and even the ones that weren't, you know, you talk about something like the exorcist that, you know, scars you for life. And, um, and, and talking about, you know, divorce, things like that. Stephen King, you know, I love, he has a quote that says, you know, we, we make up horrors to help us cope with the real ones. And so, so, yeah, it was just, there was just a lot of passion for movies in my family as like fans and ways to kind of spend quality family time together. Yeah. That's kind of what we did. And, um, and so I grew up, you know, skipping school and making movies and, and anytime we all were like joking around and something funny happened, you know, the joke was always like, oh, that'll be in the movie. Like there'll be some movie someday, you know, they'll, yeah, like a real movie. Of course. And, um, and then, uh, you know, all these years later, you know, making movies. Um, so looking back, it makes a lot of sense, you know, yeah. um, at the time it, it like, uh, you know, I wasn't somebody who like Steven Spielberg was like making proper films when he was like seven in the early sixties. Like I, we never had that kind of equipment. Yeah, and, um, crazy. But yeah. So, so it was, it was, you know, just being a fan of movies. And I talked to my friends tons about, you know, that I've known since I was born that were on like text chains and all that stuff. And we talk about movies and they really break them down. And, and I just, I think I'm just that kind of person that wanted to go and actually be a part of making them, you know, not just talking about them a little bit, you know? Sure. And, um, and, uh, but really it's, it's just, and I think a lot of people are like this. It's, it's just being a, a fan of it and then yeah. wanting to be a part of that world, you know? Yeah, man. And, um, and so I feel really fortunate that, 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 that it, it worked out for you. It's, it's, so far, so far, you know, uh, yeah. the, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's cool. And, and, and the people you meet, you know, oh, um, yeah, it, becomes, it becomes more and more, uh, an important part of filmmaking, you know, yeah. is, is who you work, who you work with, liking the people you work with and, and, you know, making connections with those people. Um, and for me, that's, you know, a big part of my life because I bury myself in a movie, you know, for like a year at a time. And, uh, I, the last film I left, uh, I mean, we, we finished in London and it was still a COVID movie. So it still had that kind of distance to it yeah. a little bit, not as much, but, um, but the funny thing is like, for me, I'm editing, you know, from my studio, you know, and, and, and uh, the guy who's editing it isn't there. And, and the assistant are both in Brooklyn. And um, so they're in Brooklyn and I'm in LA. And, um, and so it feels like I never really leave the movie because right. I'm like buried in every little thing and remembering, Oh, that shoot day. And Oh, she did this great. And so it kind of gives me this false sense of <laughs> like yeah. hanging out. Of course. But, but, but we're not. <laughs> They're all moved on to doing something else and I'm like still living in their world. Yeah. But, um, so it, it's, 
it's um and but with the covid of it all it's it's um it's a pretty good way to it, you know it's it's a pretty good way to pass the 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 time Sure. Yeah. 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 Like you were saying, like you just being a fan, there had to have been so much, there's, there's gotta be a lot of times like, like full circle shit. You know what I mean? Or like you're, you're just standing there and you're just like, wow, like I'm working with this person. Like I've been a fan of this, but you know, like shit like that. There had to have been so many like full circle type moments that you're like, you know, that you just stop and like, wow, like this is really happening type shit. Well, you know, yeah. And like, we would go to Vegas every summer when I was really young and um, when they were divorced. And so my dad's mom lived there. So, and he would like be the single guy in Vegas and she'd set him up on all these dates and stuff. And, and I remember watching this movie called the other, not the others, but the other, which is like 1974 movie. I think it was on like TV, like playing late at night or something. And it's this weird, creepy movie about these two twin brothers that are like nine years old that cause all this havoc in this small community. And then there's this big twist and, and those brothers became very much a, you know, um, a, an inspiration for like the doll, Brahms, the doll, you know? Yes. And, um, and then looking back at doing these movies and kind of going, Oh yeah. Like I'm doing very, you know, variations of this stuff. Um, and even with the exorcist, which is one of those movies, I have this weird memory of seeing oh. like the, uh, when we did devil inside, um, when we finished it, uh, I was like, I want to call William Friedkin, you know, and see if he wants to watch the movie. And, and his wife is Sherry, you know, Sherry Lansing, who was the president of Paramount Studios for a long time, had since retired. And, you know, they gave us his number, said, yeah, he's expecting to call and called. She answered the phone. Oh, hang on a second. You know, and it was just kind of funny. And uh-huh. then, you know, put him on the phone and, and, you know, we just talked about, right before we went to go shoot it like like the whole genre of exorcism and and what he went through and what the story is and uh and looking and at that point i was just kind of you know rolling with it but looking back it was like yeah i'm not gonna talk to really freaking again but it was uh cool to be talking to him about my exorcism film oh Uh, hell yeah man yeah. yeah by the way i have a friend a friend of mine who like knows somebody who knows freaking and I wound up getting William freaking's email and I emailed him like three times and he never responded to get him <laughs> on here. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I would he, just, that would just be insane from the exorcist, yeah. French Connect, like all that stuff. Like unbelievable. Uh, I mean, he, uh, he had a couple of years there where he just was doing amazing stuff. Yeah, man. But, uh, but yeah, that was, those kind of things are, are cool. And, um, you know, working, you know, working with a guy like Brian Cox, even, you know, for the small amount of time, for, you know, the small part he played in, in that film, it was, you know, yeah. you grew up with so many movies that, that, and I would throw him a line, you know, and be like, Hey, try this this time. Maybe say this. And he'd be like, you know, okay. And then he'd say it and I'd be like, yeah, like yeah. I can't even think it that way. You know, just the way words come out of his mouth mm-hmm. uh, are so intense and heavy and like, um, it's it's uh yeah that kind of stuff is great and yeah. you know it it allows me or it holds it, i don't know like to almost not grow up in a way um you know and and i just get to keep you know playing around with movies and stuff like that but yeah. um it's yeah yeah it's awesome good stuff yeah. man it's great <laughs> it is it's, it's it's awesome this was great talking with you man do you what do you have like 
Well, you want people to, William Brent Bell on Instagram. Do you have a Facebook page? You don't have a Facebook page, do you? No, I do. I do. I have a Facebook page. Um, just my name, I think, you know. Okay. Um, and, um, and yeah, Instagram, I think it's just William Brent Bell. And um, I think that's what the Twitter is, you know, the Twitter account's that, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, 2022, just type in William Brent Bell, you'll find it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, right? Everything's so at this point. And, um, but yeah, we should do this again. You know, when when I, uh, when when Esther or when Orphan when OFK gets gets moving, I would love is. to, dude. I would and absolutely it, love to. It would yeah, be great. Yes, yeah. There's a lot to talk about with that one. Yeah, I would absolutely love to. And um, yeah, you ha- you basically have a- an open door policy, dude. You want you want to come on and talk about whatever you got going on or whatever. Just hit me up and we'll make <laughs> we'll, we'll make it happen. The only yeah. thing I ask the kids, people watching and whatever. Just follow, just follow. I have a Facebook group and all that stuff, but just follow the Instagram page at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace. In the link in the bio is there's a link tree. You can click, you know, you hit that and it just opens up every single place where you can find the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. So just at the Brooklyn Blast Furnace on Instagram. And that's all I ask for anybody. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely do a part two. And when, 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 when Orphan 2 comes out, and then maybe we could talk a little bit more about uh, Lord of Misrule. Yeah, yeah. Sounds it's like a plan. Cool. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much. Anytime, man. Thank you for your time. Yeah. This was great, man. I appreciate All your right. time. Yeah, thank you. Well, I'll Later. talk to you soon, brother. All right. Later.